Hi, this is Alejandra again. Um, I'm writing over at Talk Film Society, and you can find me on Twitter at sick underscore underscore six six. And I'm not going to censor out your name this time. What went we out into this wilderness to find? Leaving our country, kindred, our father's houses. For what? For the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk About Movies. Today on the show... Again, I'm joined by Alejandra. Thank you again for coming back. Uh, we had an interesting discussion on Twitter when I was asking people about their favorite slow burn horror. And you... Attacked you. You called me a fraud and a liar. <laughs> and you you were disgraced to know me because I brought this up. No, no. But um, you had an interesting perspective on that. And in our discussion today, we're going to be talking about Robert Eggers' 2016 film, The Witch. Um, but you... You had some thoughts on my description. Would you like to get into that? Yes. So I felt like an asshole first and foremost because I didn't ever – like I felt like I was attacking you, which I never would no, because no, no. you're don't, the best. Don't worry about it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but um, I have a specific reaction when people say slow burn in regards to a movie that's a little bit more slowly paced – only because it's typically followed by, oh, you know, I didn't really like it. It was it was too much of a slow burn for me. And I was, I just, it just gets under my skin because that kind of perpetuates this notion that any film that is kind of moderately paced is to be equated as being boring or anticlimactic or whatever. And I just don't agree with that. I, I can... I, I can understand that. I, I can I can totally see that. And yeah, we, we, we talked about it a little bit and I thought that'd be a great way to like lead into an episode about something that I would consider that. And, you know, I just never really came at it from that approach. I haven't been like a huge horror fan my whole life. I'm a recent convert uh, from the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I was younger, I just got scared. <laughs> and then as I got older, I was like, Oh, they're all who cares? Jump scares. Blah. Like, you know, that really generic, like kind of casual approach right. to, to like movies. You, you thought it wasn't, um, stimulating yeah i didn't i didn't get it you know and and now i i'm happy to say at least i i know what i like more now and now i'm like obsessed i'm really looking forward to stuff like midsummer um oh, i yes. loved us a lot <laughs> like i've been recording podcasts like about different things and i just keep bringing up how much i loved jordan peele's us so sorry if i bring it up like five dozen times during this episode too i think that that is actually going to be a really interesting case because i feel like the first half was definitely a little bit of a slow burn (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna by the way just for the sake of this episode use the the term but i would typically say moderately paced or um just slowly paced i don't know i don't know i wouldn't use actually i wouldn't use the word slow just use moderate but anyway (laughs) The beginning, the beginning of that movie was very, very moderately paced, but then the it like had this switch where it suddenly was like a hundred miles an hour. Like I feel like it went from zero to sixty in no time, and I kind of love that. I feel like that happens in The Witch too, but I feel like a bigger bulk of The Witch is moderately paced and then goes from zero to sixty in the last act. But um, it's just I, I really do like when films do that. Yeah, I do too. I'm not going to talk about which movie specifically, but there's a, another movie coming up that I I was privy to read the script for, and I got really excited about it because it's Hello? it's just like it doesn't hit you with anything until like the last 15 minutes of the movie, and I'm really excited to see how people react to that. But for the witch, so I saw this movie in theaters like opening weekend, having not heard a lot about it. And, okay. And all I I saw from the the little like Twitter trailers was like a goat, and so I <laughs> went in completely blind, and I came out shocked, terrified. Uh, certain images just like seared into my brain. I had never even <laughs> heard of this Robert Eggers guy. I don't think most people had. Um, 
how, what was your first experience with The Witch? Oh my goodness. Okay, so this might be a little bit of an extended story. By all means. We got more time this time, so. Yes, we do. Um, Okay, so (laughs) I actually was not very well-versed in, like, the festival circuit horror, like, world. So I actually didn't know about this, but I went on a date. And the guy was like, oh yeah, there's like this amazing movie that's going to come out called The Witch. And I'm like, oh my god, that sounds so lame. Like, be more be more specific. <laughs> and so he showed me the trailer, and then I was like, oh, that is extremely my shit. But for some reason, I never went to go watch it. So I actually have never seen The Witch on the big screen. Ooh. Which sucks, because it is legitimately one of my favorite movies of the 21st century, period. But <clears throat> my first time watching it was... Wow. I had never liked anything like it, if you know what I mean. It was the first of its type that I completely fell in love with. And I would say that it was the first really, really moderately paced horror film that I fell in love with. And then I saw House of the Devil, which is another answer I gave you when you asked that question on on Twitter. And it does the same exact thing. And now it's kind of one of my favorite styles of filmmaking. Yeah, uh, I I actually saw House of the Devil like relatively soon after I saw The Witch for the first time too, and that's another really good one. Uh, but here here's a little extra thing before we get into like divvying up the movie and like all the the weird imagery and like the ideas and shit. Um, the moment it ended, I saw it with my, my friend and co-host Gene. Uh, we stood up, I got out of the theater. And I realized, oh, my nose is really runny. That's weird. It must be allergies or something. Are you talking about right now or no, like no. in the movie? Uh, at the end of the movie. And okay. so I was like, that's weird. Okay, whatever. And um, as I'm walking out, I'm like, that's a lot. Oh, my God. And then this blood just started gushing out of my nose. Oh, my nose. God, no. Yeah. The moment the movie yeah, ended, I, I got like a profuse nosebleed. And I had to be in the bathroom for like half an hour. I felt like such a nerd. <laughs> And I was like, that was the power of the film. That scared the shit out of me. And so then I'm like, okay, (laughs) that was a scary movie, but whatever. So a couple months pass, obviously. Uh, I'm I'm hanging out with another group of friends. Like, oh, I heard The Witch is really good. And I was like, yeah, I I got a nosebleed after. It was weird, though. Oh, whatever. We watched the movie. Not everyone fell in love with it. Then the movie ends. And then my nose starts running again. No, stop it. I swear to God. I don't believe you. No, this is true. This is true. I've been saying it since it happened. I, I think the witch cursed me. I haven't seen it since. I've only seen it twice. Do not watch I'm it a third time. To watch it a third time. <laughs> no, third time's the charm. Like I'm scared for you. Do yeah, not no, watch it ever be like again. Some Beetlejuice situation. That is really terrifying. Oh, I I genuinely don't know what'll happen if I watch it again. If you're listening to this and you've had a paranormal experience after watching the witch, let us know because. I want to confirm that this is a cursed film for all men. Yeah, please. Like, maybe that's it, you know? Like, Because <laughs> I feel on top of the world when I watch this movie. Okay, so that's that's my favorite <laughs> reading ever about this movie. <laughs> that it might be the greatest film about joining a sorority ever made. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, yeah. If you could, yeah, I think you could equate, you know, being a witch with being in a sorority. Sure. So, like, uh, again, in, on this show, I don't really like to divvy up, like, too much of the plot stuff, but I think it's kind of important for at least the beginning of this film, where right. it's this, like, heavily religious Protestant family who are too, like, intense for even, like, the, the, the village that they're a part of. They have to go off and be, like, their own kind of sect out in, in nature. And um, it's really about, like, how... The trappings of like this society and this religion so like restrictive and confined uh, that is basically like destroying these people from the inside out, specifically the young woman Thomason, mm-hmm. and like this patriarchal society's driving them crazy, and how it's... maybe the witch is like the one with like the most agency in the film, or at least like self-realized agency. I think. Okay, so I would like to consider myself a resident witch expert. Oh, yes, please. Or, or or witch in film expert, anyway. And a lot of times, witches are used in film as a vessel for, you know, feminism or um, feminist ideas expressed in film. So I think that this film is obviously a feminist 
film through and through. And of course it uses the witch to represent that agency and that kind of like um, break away from the patriarchy, which is literally her, her father. So we could talk about witch movies all day, but let's talk about the, the witch. This is this is where I have a, a question about that. Then, so her okay. her father is obviously like the the, uh, the big symbol of the patriarchy that kind of ends up eating away at the family, right? And then Black Philip is still a male figurehead, right? So is is that like her seeing that as like like the the coven as like a, as an escape, but still not really because there's still a male figurehead at the end there, or is that still something more open? Okay, so oh my god, you just you're gonna send me down a rabbit I'm, hole no, here. No, no, please, by all means. <laughs> so I don't know if you have seen the Love Witch, I have. but one of the commentary, one of the comment, or I don't want to say one of the commentary, but like one of the things that it touches upon is how she is seeking this liberation and she feels liberated at some points, but she still has to do these like sexual rituals to a man that's part of the coven that she is a part of. So she's still being submissive to this man that's in her coven. So I feel like both of these movies are kind of, and they both came out around the same time as well. I think they're both speaking to how there will always be a looming kind of patriarchal like force influencing our lives because there's no way, I mean, at least myself as a woman, I know there's no way I'm ever going to live in a world where there are no men <laughs> that <laughs> unfortunately but um so i think you're right i didn't even think about that i think that's really interesting that she does get this agency but it's still kind of given to her by a male figure yeah it's it, it made me think of like because obviously it's a very like religious focused film you know mm-hmm. not so much about like embracing well i guess it's about embracing faith but not through the the, the common like interpretation of it i'd, I'd right. say uh it's very much like a, about the way faith could like shape people for better and far 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 worse um and so i think that's really interesting like this idea of free will that so many religions touch upon and how maybe that's not free will is not inherently something that that is free you know or maybe not something right. that's chosen it's chosen for you you don't get to really decide, and that—that's that kind of cosmic terror is really unnerving to me. I mean, it's—it's it's not free. I mean, she had to pay a price for that free will, if you will, you know. Mm-hmm. And also, somebody is giving you that permission, like, or some force or energy or whatever is giving you that free will, but they can still also take it away. And I think that's the case of Black Philip. Actually, Black Philip is like one of the more terrifying figures in horror to me ever so that's interesting i actually also don't really when i watch this i don't think about religion at all to be honest i mean besides the obvious plot of the film but i don't think like oh this is so about spirituality and like the confinements of religion Mm -hmm. at all I mean it's i think that might be my own reading into it i was raised catholic right still working my own things out with that uh so that 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 might be good though but well i'm also raised catholic but i don't know if you were more uh like active in your practicing of it but i also think that it's because since i am a woman like what i see is again religion as a vessel of the patriarchy so i think they're just using this like storyline as a way to kind of introduce the dynamic between the family and why the father has these beliefs that he has and why a lot of the people in this period had those beliefs. And I th- I was on a podcast actually um, recently in February called XOXO Horror by Joe Lis- Lipset from Bloody Disgusting. And we talked about the witch and I told him that 
I feel like if I saw this with a guy, his interpretation would be completely different than my interpretation. I wouldn't say we're we're completely different, but I definitely, I think you we do have different perspectives just because, you know, I I'm, I'm part of the patriarchy unintentionally, but it's it, it is something that <laughs> you don't have to be wary of. Do you find this to be a tragedy, or do you find this to be more of an uplifting story? <laughs> Weirdly enough, I think it it can be classified as both because she finally has freedom. And even though her family was bad for her, uh, she still has to deal with the death of her siblings who were young enough to maybe be to grow into um, that own freedom. But it's I, I have I have complex feelings on it. I think it's a bit of both, but. She is ultimately more free at the end of the film than she ever would have been with her family. I found it more uplifting than a tragic, which concerns me about myself. No, you, you, okay, so I, I've um, I was, I've been fascinated with this movie since I saw it, and mm-hmm. I could I feel comfortable saying you're absolutely right in that uh, the perspectives of a man and a woman watching this film are very different because many women uh, I've noticed have found it more uplifting than anything and. Mm-hmm. What that tells me is that I still got a lot of work to do in in my life <laughs> and about the way I view things and, and probably a lot of other men too. Because uh, if we're saying like, oh no, it's like, that's the scary ending as opposed to uplifting, then maybe we got to open up our, our perspectives a little bit more. When I talk to guys about this movie, I always ask what, like, if they have siblings, what kind of their like family dynamic was and what their responsibilities were in that dynamic when they were younger because I think that also colors how you watch this film because me as the eldest daughter I had the responsibility of also being a mother and being an example and still being submissive to both my parents especially being Hispanic and every time I knew I was right in a place where they were wrong my, I mean, my dad wouldn't listen to me, but like, here comes my little brother and he is acting up or acting a certain way that's unacceptable for me to behave and he gets nothing of reprimanding at all. So I feel like that happens a lot in this film too. And there are expectations held of her that are not put on other members of the family, especially her little brother. And so that really resonated with me because that kind of you can only take so much of that, and I think that's what makes... And that's what drives the witch, honestly. The tension that continues to grow and grow because she's just having enough of how she's being treated and the expectations that are put on her by her father. Yeah, I, I mean, there's only so much I can, like, understand of that. I could empathize, but obviously... I One, I, I have no siblings. I'm an only child. And two, I, I, I grew up male, so I didn't have the uh, the pressures that you had. And so I I have to I think I just have to be more understanding of that. But I, I am unfortunately aware of the uh, specifically the the Latin approach to to raising kids, and uh, you guys do get the short end of the stick more often than <laughs> yes. not. And uh, it's there there is awful. it's worse than a double standard. It's 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 still unfortunately very prevalent. And, uh, and people in our age group, and unfortunately, even younger. Which I think is why I'm so obsessed with this movie, because I hate period pieces. I'm just going to be honest. Whoa. Yeah, I'm not a fan of period pieces. Like, I mean, that's very broad statement. There are some that I love, but I really didn't think I was going to like this, because A, I'm not into, like, the Old English, <laughs> or the Middle English, or whatever you want to call it. Um, It's older than us, and B, it's older Yes, exactly. It's old English. <laughs> and B, I also just don't like movies that are... Like, I don't like The Crucible and things like that. So, for me to go into this and have come out loving it, it definitely is because I felt such a strong identification with Thomason that I thought was still relevant today. And I think, you know, it's made in a way that it... I mean, it demands to be relatable. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that. I think more than anything, that might be where the real horror comes in because we're, we're discussing whether it's uplifting or tragic. 
I think the real tragedy is just the fact that it is still a relatable experience specifically to right. women. Cause again, this it, it's what you're saying is, is a common thread in a lot of uh, female criticism of the film. So I think that that's very unfortunate. And I think a lot of guys got to take a, a hard look at maybe the state of things harder. Cause we've, we're not doing great right now. So maybe everyone take five <laughs> for a little bit and kind of, kind of figure out why, why this is, and so we got we, we got we got stuff to work on in case people haven't noticed. <laughs> it's funny because I saw this I saw this for the first time around believe it or not it was a little bit after it was released. It, it was around like the election. Oh. And not to get political or anything. No, by all means, please. It was around the election time and this film deals with hysteria and like obviously has some influence of the witch trials and stuff and I found this to be super crazy because that the, the way that Thomason gets treated by her family, I feel like Hillary was being treated by the whole country. <laughs> and so I was like, oh my goodness. I mean, the way that women are scrutinized when they act a certain way and are called either like a bitch or in Thomason's case, a witch, it's just so unfair. And so that whole like hysterical elements was super interesting to watch during the election time i really i don't know this movie ah, takes me back takes me back i don't know if that's a, a place i want to be taken back to no it's I, i'm like wow what we didn't know what we didn't know at that I know, point jesus christ that i know that that whole like time period was just fucking brutal and draining and it's been brutal ever since yeah it's like it's just gotten worse somehow it's gotten more stressful and like draining i don't know how any of us are like still alive given the emotional turmoil we deal with every day now <laughs> well i mean that's why it was so cathartic to watch thomason break away from it <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah no i mean you totally won me over with all this already by the way like i'm 100 percent on board with like the uplifting ending this is this is what we got to be doing we just got to burn down our homes and Move into the woods and break away from the patriarchy. Into the woods, and exactly, and sacrifice babies. <laughs> that's that's um, the one thing I'm like, maybe maybe still not on board with the uplifting <laughs> thing. Because uh, okay, I, I yeah. kind of want to get into this other side of the discussion too, uh, along with the well, I'll just go ahead and label it the the slow burn controversy. There's also <laughs> the the notorious controversy that always hits horror films. Is it really a horror or is it a psychological thriller? Oh, Jesus. I want to punch everybody in the goddamn face. I'll join you because that's just <laughs> I, ridiculous. Honestly, at this point, I am sick of both sides. Like, I just want the conversation to end. <laughs> I'm sorry to bring it up then. No, no, no. What I mean, no. I, I love having this conversation because I love to show people that horror can be not what you expect it to be. And it's just like... I just don't want to, like, it's happened so often now that I'm just so tired of it. But I'm down to talk about it because the other day when I went to go watch Us, my friend, <laughs> Tiffany, if you're listening, I'm calling you out. <laughs> she goes, honestly, love that, but it wasn't horror. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, are you joking right now? And so I explained to her that there need not be demons or... I mean, in this case, it's different, but there need not be demons or jump scares or ghosts or, like, any of that stuff for it to be a horror movie. Like, I think what makes a horror movie is, to me, fear is subjective. So I really do think anything can be a horror film. Like, I think Gone Girl is a horror film. But I think it has a lot to do with atmosphere and the tone and the... I don't know. Like, I think it's clear when something is a horror movie. A hundred percent. And to say that The Witch is not a horror movie, it's just upsetting. Like, I'm so mad right now. I don't even have the words. <laughs> not only is a baby being sacrificed, but what can be scarier than living your life with all of these expectations because of your gender, you know? I think that that is fucking terrifying because I live it. And the, the way that the film is so beautifully, by the way, put together you know like visually and with music i think that there's no fucking way you can say like 
this wasn't meant to scare you. Or at least create this, like, sense of unnervous... Or, no, unnerve you, anyway. this family. I'm upset. No, no. <laughs> you, you have every right to be, uh, much like Thomason. Uh, and I, I think even though the, the baby sacrifice thing is rough, um, and I obviously cannot condone it even for a protagonist, but, uh, I, I think I like the idea of like all that she has to sacrifice in order to gain that, that freedom, you know, and uh, like, it, it does cost every little bit of her, uh, family's sanity and, Possibly even her own as she starts cackling when she rises up above the flames with her her coven. Um, but I don't I, I don't think sanity is defining of uh, of happiness or tragedy either. I think it's more complicated than that. So you, right. you really won me over with this. Uh, <laughs> but also, yeah, if you don't think a baby getting smashed into like a, a jelly in the first fifteen minutes qualifies as horror, <laughs> I'm genuinely afraid of you. Because, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say, even if that scene wasn't in the movie, it, I would still qualify it as a horror. I do, I know not many people are going to agree with me here. Because, of course, there are so many movies that are not horror that use these aesthetic techniques and, you know, like, certain structures. But I do think a lot of it has to do with, like, the what the intention of the filmmaker is obviously with the score like we have in the witch it is there to create tension to create suspense to create this like really uncomfortable feeling inside of you that you you cannot say is like in a drama i don't know i think i think it's just clear and i think people are just afraid of calling something so polished and so well done a horror movie yeah I, and they have been for years i, I so. think i think you're totally you're hitting the nail on the head because uh, a fun fact, Robert Eggers originally did not want to use a score for The Witch. And I believe this mm -hmm. was his directorial debut. And when he was putting the film together, he was like, okay, I'm not that talented. I need a, I need a score. I don't want to overdo it though. And I, I don't think the score overdoes it at all. I think it really gets under your skin, like the guitar plucking yes. and the, the violin strings. And like, I'll never forget the image of after the, the baby jelly, uh, the witch rubbing it all over her. And she like, she just walks out into the moon with the trees hanging overhead. Like that image, as the, the first time I saw that, I, I was like, okay, I'm not sleeping right when I get home. I'm going to wait a little bit. You're going to clean up your nosebleed. Oh, yeah, I can't clean up my nosebleed first. Because uh, also a fun fact, my room around one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, the moon shoots directly through my curtains. And it's the scariest oh. fucking thing in the world after the witch. <laughs> uh, so I, I think, yeah, the music really <laughs> helps incorporate that. But also, I think uh, just to expand on, on the point you made, I, it, it's in what the film and the filmmakers are interested in, like exploring. Because I mean, something like like Near Dark, one of my favorite films, or Alien, those are mm -hmm. like straight horror, and there's nothing really like overtly scary to me in those. Like Alien never scared me ever uh but i think it's a perfect film also <laughs> and i know people that are terrified of it but it's what the film's exploring about like uh, uh capitalism and uh gender and uh the fear of of uh it's rape it's a just a giant rape parable basically it, right. it's very explicitly horrific <laughs> stuff that it's it's exploring near dark is nothing nearly as vicious but it's also about like life that you you can't have as a vampire and like that longing and that 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 dread of not being able to to live something as something human 
you know, that's horrifying. Right. You know, it's not overtly scary in your face like like the witch might be or or us or uh, or even Get Out. I don't think is nearly as scary as something like us. But it's still a, right. a movie about people getting their brain their brains transplanted out of their bodies. And if that it's, if that's not horror, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's it's also clearly about like race and stuff, but also brains getting taken out of people's bodies. That is that's yeah, not normal. Exactly. <laughs> so I mean, if we're like looking at the literal things that happen, even just the literal things are fucking terrifying. Like you said, the brains being swapped. <laughs> but even the racial commentary and like the social commentary is fucking scary especially at the time that get out came out when we had all of this tension it came out into what 2016 2017 yeah like right after like a month after the inauguration it was like february exactly. so like coming off the cuff of of the trump inauguration that is that's saying some shit because it's not just pointing fingers at like the overt racism it's it's pointing fingers at liberal like oh, hello how you how do you do fellow fellow black men you know like kind of racism yeah. and that's exactly that's something that's harder to address and especially at that time it's not something you think we need to talk about but it's absolutely also exactly what we need to still be talking about i mean and us is a perfect example of that as well so i mean how could you say that that's not horror just because it's not scary to you or you don't think that they used you know conventionally scary techniques like jump scares or specific like supernatural forces or something i don't know I think, again, fear is subjective, but also even if you cannot relate to somebody else being scared of this movie, you can kind of determine that it's a horror movie based on just, like, what the intention of the film is. Yeah, and um, you brought up another good point, too, about, like, even if the baby smashing scene wasn't wasn't in The Witch, it's it's still horror, not just because of the witch stuff, but because of the, the commentary it has about... Uh, being a woman in a society that doesn't mm-hmm. allow you to be anything other than what they tell you to be. You know, it's... And, like, that could have easily been put in a drama. Or, you know, I, I could probably name a few drama films where, like, that is the theme. But, again, what what separates The Witch from that is just how fucking uncomfortable and, like, uneasy I feel watching it because of these... You know, like, it's kind of like when you're writing a book. I always think about Edgar Allan Poe because when I read Edgar Allan Poe, I imagine this, like, dreary scene with, like, really, really subdued but, like, unnerving music. And I feel like The Witch is a film version of that. Oh, that's good. I like that. Do you, do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I feel like we have to have some value here where when it comes to aesthetics like even if it's it's beyond the content of the film to me which is why i think con girl i would classify as a horror movie because it looks like one to me do you know what i mean yeah i mean that that might just be david fincher being like everything is awful all the time but i'm gonna make a masterpiece out of it anyways (laughs) i know nobody's gonna agree with me on that i'm like oh a horror movie is determined by the way it looks but obviously there are other elements but i think there is something in t- very intentionally done in these movies in terms of like atmosphere and tone that are undeniably put there to be seen as horrific or just as a horror movie. I, I can, I can roll with that. Um, I think even, even stuff like again, us and get out, I'm sorry. They're in the forefront of my mind. I, I haven't stopped thinking about them. It's ruining my life. Uh, but they're like their daytime sequences. They're not shot in like uh, like the way something like The Witch is. Like I, I promise, I'll turn back around into to approve like agreeing with your point. But like um, <laughs> they're they're framed not like horror films initially, even though they absolutely definitely mm-hmm. are horror films and exploring very horrific circumstances and like commentaries. But I think it's. Um, it's it's an extension of how they're presented as well as like the, what what they're trying to to present so like in terms of like right. color palette uh david fincher uses like that really low lighting you know um a lot of green always uh which might be very like off-putting to some people but i kind of love it mm-hmm. everything looks like ugly <laughs> in the, in a beautiful way 
Um, and, it looks grimy. Yeah, and I mean, Gone Girl is basically a horror movie about how if if you're not honest in your marriage, your guys are going to eat each other, and your guys are going to be stuck with each other forever. Also, I feel like Gone Girl is another good one where like the pressure to be a certain way for her, like the cool girl thing, totally just made her. I mean, it's like an extreme version of this, obviously, but yeah. just she couldn't she couldn't put up with it anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, what what David Fincher's uh, and um, Jillian Flynn say with the with that script in the film ultimately is like. You know, I, I way back in 2014 when I was writing for Audiences Everywhere, RIP to that site, um, but I, I listed her as one of the best film villains of 2014, and I still kind of stand by that, but really it should be a double header because she was turned into that by her family, her marriage, society. The standards, mm-hmm. right, society in general. Like, she had to be a certain way to maintain the attention and affection of her terrible husband i think i think gone girl does a good job at showing like both sides but i do not consider her to be a villain i don't think she's the villain in the movie i think like the world around her is yeah i i I, i'm more on board with that now too like i guess i i would say it's a double header because for the Mm -hmm. film i would say she's the antagonist but she's not a villain even though ben affleck's character is the protagonist he's definitely not a hero it is very clear that exactly. he is a dick, at the very least. An awful husband. But, um, but he's also not the villain. So it's like, who is the villain? And that's why I fucking love Gone Girl. I know this is not a Gone Girl podcast. No, no, well, Gone Girl is the shit. Uh, I could talk about it's David Fincher forever. But I mean, like, who is the villain? And that that is so scary to me. Is it not? Is it not? Like, who is going to be held accountable for the shitty relationships that happen because of certain standards or certain pressures that are put on both parties in the relationship, you know? Yeah. And to, to bring it back to, to the witch, the father is not the antagonist, but maybe not even fully villainous, but he is, he's a bad father for sure. And like, uh, but also at the same time, if we're, we're looking at the grander picture that like, that made Thomason break free from all this too, you know, like what, what other, choice did these people have given the way that they were raised you know like before before all of right. this you know and like how, how how is that gonna like how are they allowed to choose anything else and that's there's i think there's a tragedy in that definitely and i completely was about to say that i was about to say this the thing about this that is tragic is not like everybody dies it's just like the suffering that everybody has to go through as a result of a decision made by the figurehead of the home (laughs) because those poor children especially her little brother that scene where he's having like the weird possession is is really scary and sad to me just because he didn't really deserve it you know what i mean yeah he's he's just like like how old is he like nine maybe eight um, yeah like nine ten yeah he's, he's just a little boy exactly but i do and again i don't think the dad is i wouldn't say he's the villain but i do think he is the accountable party for what is happening because a he's definitely proud he's got this toxic masculine pride that keeps him from either going back well i guess i guess they got banished but (laughs) like but you know there are ways to fix this and like like there was even a conversation between him and his between him and his wife where she was like please do something like we cannot be here anymore. So that pride kept him from doing anything besides chopping wood, which is the most masculine activity that was probably available to him. So he exercised his masculinity by being proud and doing that chopping wood that was useless. And everyone else had to pay the consequences of that. And I think that is so representative of life. (laughs) Yeah, I mean to to bring it back uh, to a little more real stuff. I mean, like, uh, you're you're Cuban, I'm Mexican, but it, it's very machismo is a very unfortunate, common thing mm-hmm. in a lot of men in in our uh, in our cultures, and it's it's like it, it's so ingrained that uh, it feels weird to to call it out, even you know, like yes, exactly. Like, I mean, I, I don't know how 
often this happens to you, but like I, I, I see it just like with other relatives of mine, even and friends where, um, you know, if the woman has to go, go get a plate of food for the men, like that's just how it is, you know, like that's, that's how it all, that's always been. And I mean, and it's, it's interesting that you said that it's so deeply ingrained in us that we can't even call it out because it's just like, I, I don't even call it out. And you know, I mean, anyone who knows me or follows me on Twitter will know I'm very loud about unacceptable behavior from men but in my own like upbringing and family i feel like i can't say anything just because that latino part of me is just used to it and this is just my like this is just how it's always been and i don't know anything else so how can i even argue anything else you know yeah it's fucked up. This was a downer. I'm but... so sorry that we went this direction. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's why this is such a cathartic movie to me. I know a lot of people find, um, especially sexual assault survivors, find, you know, rape revenge films to be very cathartic. And I think this would be kind of my version of that. I feel very, very okay when i watch the witch which sounds crazy and like undateable across my forehead (laughs) but (laughs) but it's true i i mean it's very true no i mean i i had i've always had positive feelings about this movie but i think after the second viewing is when i started getting more complicated about it where i was like is it it's not like I, i had to open up my my fucking male perspective that was all closed off like hang on is it not sad is it uplifting? Is is it is it happier? Because <laughs> she seems happy there, and like my brain was like like hardwiring, just trying to like figure out like why is this? What what, what, what are you doing? And this this conversation <laughs> really yeah like this? yeah this conversation really helped me open up to to all that too. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you for saying that because I kind of feel like I'm being all over the place. It's just it's so much that I want to say about it, and it. I mean, I don't think it was an accident that this is one of the most feminist films we've gotten in a very, very long time. And to think it was made by a man, like, that's awesome. And in that podcast I mentioned earlier that I was on, I said the same thing. I feel like a lot of some of the most feminist films we're getting lately are by men. And I think that's awesome because to me, it makes me feel like more men are starting to understand where we're coming from. Like Suspiria, the remake, for example... I love that movie. I think it's extremely feminist. I think it has some extremely feminist things to say. And it's made by a dude. So that's, I mean, right on with that. Yeah, I think that's, that's the, we went to a downer place for a second there. But I think <laughs> we can end on a positive note as we wind down the episode in that, yeah, it is more, more commonplace in, in art, thankfully. And I think even though it is harder and not as common to see it called out maybe in our own lives, but I think just in general, as a society, we're we're pushing forward in in a good way. Still too slow, but I, I, I think the open mindedness is kind of it's reaching new heights that that it just never had before. And I'm not I'm not saying the witches specifically to thank for that, but it, I think it is a part of that. And I I couldn't be happier about it. And also, Robert Eggers has a new movie coming out this year, apparently called The Lighthouse. Oh my goodness! So I don't know if it'll be as good as this. Or, or as feminist as this, but I'm really looking forward to it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not really of, like, the camp that men shouldn't tell women's stories. I think that if you have input and you have, like, a specific kind of, like, representation in the film, then I think that, that that's perfectly fine, especially if you're telling an authentic or, like, real experience, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I love this movie. I cannot wait for his next movie. And if you have not seen this movie, do not talk to me until you do. <laughs> I have some friends that I know in my Almost Famous episode, I said the same thing. But like, I have friends that have seen this and are like, I hate this. This is, again, back to the original purpose of this this episode. <laughs> they um think it's like too slow or, oh my God, this was such a slow burn. Ugh. And I'm like, oh, God, I hate that word. Because every time somebody says it, it's like to say that it was boring. You know? Yeah. So it's not really the phrase's fault. <laughs> it's just the people that use it incorrectly. 
Uh, but um, it's a bummer because this is, I mean, this is a real work of art. It's perfect. It's, I wouldn't change anything about it. Yeah, I can't think, I, I don't think I would either. It's it's such a fucking fantastic movie. It was definitely one of my favorites, if not my favorite, the year it came out. 2016, right? So no, never mind. Kubo and Moonlight came out that year, but but <laughs> it, it's, it's up there. It's up there. Um, I think this came out earlier. I think this was, yeah, this was 2015. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, then you know what? Maybe. Oh, no, no. Uh, Fury Road and Creed, but those are that's a personal thing. This is this totally deserves to be <laughs> mentioned alongside those. It, it is totally one of the better horror films or uh, uplifting horror films, as we've discussed now. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Isn't that a crazy thing to call it? I love it. Yeah, I mean, Suspiria is kind of like that too. So I mean, we're there's yeah. there's more more of it happening, and it, and it feels good. Very unconventional uplifting as as we've discussed as well uh and on the on the last topic of slow burn before before i let you go to go take on the world um <laughs> what if we have to like decide right now we can figure this out for the rest of of our podcasting lives but also for right now what should we strive to call moderately paced horror just moderately paced um mm. sh- should we should we strive for something else in particular so here's, I think, the distinction. I'm about to get English major on you. No, no, please, by all means. When you call something a slow burn, that I feel like that has become a noun, right? So now you're call like you're putting a label on the film, whereas if you're just calling it moderately paced, you're describing the film. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I don't know. I just I find it very strange to make slow burn kind of like its own genre. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. yeah, I don't yeah. know. I it just. I think just calling it moderately paced would be fine. Okay. Like yeah, now, I mean, I, I'm you're you're opening me up to perspectives today. Is what's happening here? So I'm just trying to <laughs> to ease into this because again, I I am uh, I'm not a I'm not an expert horror guy. Or anything, I mean, it's so. it's it's like totally a me thing. I don't think anyone else has a problem with the phrase. <laughs> and again, I don't have the problem with the phrase. I just have a problem with people using it to call something boring and it happens so often at least in like my real life on online obviously or like on twitter where the horror community kind of just understands that slow burn just means that something is a super moderately paced film that's different but like oh Christ, I can't tell you how many times I've heard it in like real life where people are like, "That was such a slow burn. I hated it." No, I mean, I, I, I get where you're coming from because again, like that's why I brought up the whole other thing about like, is it really a horror film? You know, like just these ridiculous like qualifiers for films that fit into one giant umbrella of a genre. You know, like it's just just let it be its own thing it doesn't need to to fit into any other parameters right i would just like to say also like genres can overlap you can have a film be more than one genre so alien for example that's a horror sci-fi film to me yeah you can have both it's not like mutually exclusive so I think people have a really hard time accepting that because people like to live in a world of dichotomies. <laughs> but let's just kind of be more open to understanding that. And if if I may, I also think it comes down to like a, maybe a little bit of elitism too. You know, yeah, like people are kind of they shy away from horror. Horror gets the short end of the stick. People people complain about superhero movies a little bit too much, I think. But horror mm-hmm. gets way worse, where it's like. It's yeah. not really horror. Alien's more of a sci-fi, if you ask me. The Witch is a little more psychological, if you look at it from this perspective. I know this is running a little bit long, but I have to say this because I feel like people that are familiar with this discourse will appreciate it. But in one of my uh, film classes uh, two years ago, I had this debate in front of the whole class with my professor because I just couldn't take it anymore. He said that Alien was a sci-fi, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> why (laughs) and so he put it this way and i do not agree with this but maybe it's food for thought the existence (laughs) i hated this i'm so sorry but he goes the existence of an alien is not deniable like it's possible we don't know that it's 
impossible for an alien to exist. So that's why it's sci-fi. Whereas a vampire, and then he pointed at my little vampire tattoo to humiliate me. Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Cannot exist. So that's why like a vampire movie would be considered a horror movie and alien should be considered a sci-fi, which was an interesting point, but also fuck you. Like that's genres can overlap again. Yeah. I, I like, I like your approach on that. I, it sounds like your professor's kind of an asshole. <laughs> I actually really liked him, but at that point I wanted to die. Cause he was like belittling horror, you know, like that's why he, he was trying to embarrass me for sure. For be, everyone knows like in every single class I've ever been in that was a film class, I am not shy about how much I love it. And I get, like, made fun of for it all the time. It's so fucked up and so representative of how people approach the genre, and it's bullshit. Oh, I'm so sorry. It sounds like you should be slashing some tires. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> I mean, I'm a good sport, and it's just funny to me at this point. I mean, they're objectively They're wrong, missing out. You know, so. Oh, 100%. <laughs> they're, like, missing out. So I'm, I'm more for me. Yeah, sad for them. Oh, well. Uh Alejandro, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, thank you for taking more time to discuss another movie you really <laughs> loved. Uh, where can the people find you? So you can find me on Twitter at sick underscore underscore six six. And I have my own podcast. It's at sequels, S-E-E-Q-U-E-L-S. We talk about direct video sequels. It's under the Talk Film Society network. And... My first piece ever is going to go up on Talk Film Society very, very soon. All right. Thank you again for joining me. If you like this episode, like and subscribe on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes. If you didn't like this, like and subscribe anyways because you might find something you do like. Check out the Patreon where you can support me so I can do more of these more often. Get better sound equipment. Get more guests. Have more time to do this. Yada, yada, yada. Links down below in the description to everything we talked about below. We have been professionally unprofessional. God, my Lord, and now begin, oh, help me, and I'll leave my sin. For I repentant thou shall be, from evil I will turn to thee. None ever shall destroy my faith, for I repentant thou shall be. Oh, God, my Lord, and now begin, oh, help me, and I'll leave my sin. For I repentant thou shall be, from evil I will turn to thee. Let us leave the wood.